can find inspiring stories almost anywhere. For instance, check out the co-founders of Girls Who Do Interiors. This Miami-based design company was started by three friends when they were still in school. And right from the start, they turned to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards. And they handled them all in one place with the Chase mobile app. It's so important to have that kind of help when you're just starting out. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A. member FDIC. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Pushkin. It's the fall of 1983 in suburban Detroit. I'm 11 years old, and I'm on the school bus. We're wending through neighborhoods of mid-century ranches and tri-levels, the very sort of handsome, middle-class homes that car industry prosperity has made possible in this town. The bus is heading to my friend Josh's house. Josh's dad works at Chrysler. Lots of my friend's dads work at the big three car companies, Chrysler, Ford, and General Motors. And even if they don't work for them, they still kind of do. In Detroit, it doesn't matter if you're a barber or a surgeon, you still serve the people of the big three. It's a company town. The bus hisses to a stop. As Josh makes his way up the steps and down the rubberized aisle, I see that his Mighty Mac jacket has a white pin on it. It says, Magic Wagon. Magic Wagon? What is that about, I ask? Josh tells me it's like a van. Well, that sounds incredible. The van is already the coolest vehicle there is. I mean, Mr. T drives one on the A-Team. Good afternoon, sir. May I... May you what, sucker? Uh, may I park your vehicle? Are you crazy? Nobody drive my van but me. Get out of here! The Magic Wagon must be even cooler than that. It has magic right in the name. It probably has huge stripes down the front and wizards on the side and flames shooting out the back. And then, a few days later... I see the ad for it on TV. Introducing Plymouth Voyager. She's got some traffic to believe it. Hi, I'm Doug Henning. You know, as your family grows bigger and bigger, 
cars have been getting smaller and smaller. So what you need is a magic wagon. Who boy. It was clear that the magic wagon was not a van. Far from it. It was a minivan, emphasis on mini, like a miniature schnauzer or a kiddie pool. It was not some slammed hot rod van with the flames and the wizards and the stripes on the outside. There was no shag carpeting inside. And Mr. T would definitely pity the fool who drove one. It was an automotive bowl cut, a wood-paneled wedgie. It was even lamer than my parents' Oldsmobile Custom Cruiser station wagon. It just seemed sad and boring, reeking of drudgery and adulthood. I hated it. But hey, I was 11. I had no idea what I was talking about. I'm Eddie Alterman, and this is Car Show. This week, we begin a two-part exploration of the minivan's quiet genius. The minivan has been maligned more than anything this side of a Ford Pinto. It's the butt of nearly every car joke, a sort of shorthand for automotive anemia, the thing you drive when you've given up. But show me another vehicle that was so right for its audience, so perfectly usable, and so utterly devastating to its competition as the humble minivan. Consider this. With one basic vehicle, the Chrysler Corporation set fire to an entire category of cars. The 1984 Chrysler minivans, the Plymouth Voyager and Dodge Caravan, laid waste to the family car of the era, the station wagon, just made it look ridiculous. The minivan was, and still is, the best way to move people and their stuff. In this episode, we will learn about how we went, almost overnight, from kids roaming around unbelted in the third row of the station wagon, to bolt upright and strapped into the minivan. In the minivan, and from here on out, kids will be tamped down, headsetted, and accounted for. This wasn't just a product shift, it was a cultural shift. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. Though there were small vans before it, modern minivan history began in earnest when the great Italian designer, Giorgetto Giugiaro, revealed a new kind of people mover at the 1978 Turin Auto Show. We met Giugiaro back in the VW GTI episode. First, he designs the ultimate German family car, the VW Golf, 
and then he creates the inspiration for the ultimate American one. I must say, this people mover fixation doesn't exactly square with his personal style. Jujaro is a man of extreme elegance, a perfectly coiffed head of hair and beautifully tailored sport coats. The guy is right out of a Rossellini film. But he is also a pragmatist. And what he did for American families was eminently pragmatic. He did more than just redesign the traditional wagon. He rethought the whole thing from the inside out. He sort of fused that VW Golf he designed with a box. Because what's more space efficient than a box? It had a high seating position and a cavernous interior. It was way cooler than a station wagon. This concept car the Turin show, the Lancia Megagama, is considered the rootstock of the minivan crop. Lancia never produced the Megagama, but the show car caught the attention of lots of designers and engineers. For a time, it was the biggest idea in the car business. Over at Ford, they had been cooking up their own small, boxy, four-passenger, front-wheel drive van around the same time. It was called the Minimax, and it was the brainchild of Ford product guru Hal Spurlick. Even though Ford's then-president, Lee Iacocca, championed it, it didn't go anywhere. But when Iacocca and Spurlick left Ford for Chrysler, they took the idea with them. Those two ultimately made the Magic Wagon a reality. Iacocca and Spurlick were pretty unstoppable as a team. They also created the original Mustang during their time at Ford. Spurlick, the Michigan engineering grad, and Iacocca, the son of Italian immigrants from Allentown, Pennsylvania. As different as they were, both made a habit of getting fired for speaking their minds in conservative Detroit boardrooms. Iacocca and Spurlick, through many iterations, made the minivan the three-row mainstream people mover it became. They wanted a front-wheel drive van that could fit in a garage and had a huge interior. Spurlick was responsible for pulling the vehicle together, and Iacocca took it to market. He could sell a ketchup popsicle to a debutante in white gloves. A lot of people think America can't cut the mustard anymore. That quality counts for nothing, and hard work for even less. And commitment, that went out with a hula hoop. Well, when you've been kicked in the head like we have, you learn pretty quick to put first things first. And in the car business, product comes first. And product is what brought us back to prosperity. Iacocca was undoubtedly a great pitch man. But it was the physical layout of the minivan that had people trading in their wagons for voyagers. The station wagon was the de facto family cruiser only because it had an extra row of seats in the back. A seat where kids face rearward in the most precarious position in the car. Though the station wagon may have schlepped millions of kids around, it was not originally designed for them. As the name implies, it was meant to take people and their stuff to and from the train station. The station wagon was a luggage car. Only later did it evolve into the family hauler we remember so fondly from National Lampoon's vacation. Now I owe it to myself to tell you, Mr. Griswold, that if you're thinking of taking the tribe cross country, this is the automobile you should be using, the Wagon Queen family truckster. You think you hate it now, but wait till you drive it. A few years after the minivan came out, no one would want a station wagon. 
But to really understand how the Chrysler Magic Wagon killed that whole category of cars, we need to go inside the two and compare. Imagine we are back in 1983 at the wheel of my parents' Oldsmobile wagon. You sit low in it on a vast expanse of velour. Before you is a thin-rimmed steering wheel with spokes placed lazily at the four and eight o'clock positions, as if you'd never need more than a pinky to steer the thing. Behind the wheel is a broad and deep wood grain dash, and beyond that is a long rectangular hood that reaches clear to the horizon. In its engine bay rests a wheezy five liter V8 making a pathetic 140 horsepower. It couldn't pull guano out of a goose. Climb into the second row and you'll see a hump in the floor. This bulge runs lengthwise down the center of the car and houses the drive shaft. To sit in the middle with legs splayed on either side of the hump is to sit in humiliation, the so-called bitch seat. Go around to the back of the wagon, swing out the heavy, creaky tailgate, and there is the rear-facing bench swimming in a sea of light blue carpet. It's tiny with two seat belts, and it's hemmed in by the high floor and some plastic cabinetry meant to carry stuff like jumper cables, road flares, and 12 packs of Pabst. The entire orientation of the Olds is horizontal. It's long, low, and wide. Very Detroit post-war. You know, you get in this 1984 Magic Wagon and it's a big step up, literally. You sit up high in these captain's chairs. There's room, you know, it's like the hip point is really high. The door sill feels kind of low. Everything feels really airy, super easy to see out of. If there were kids in the back, you could see their faces. It's wild. And look at this awesome velour interior. It's pretty great. <laughs> That's me and my editor, Jen Guerra, geeking out. Because we are face-to-face -face with an original 1984 Magic Wagon. But not just any Magic Wagon. This is number one. This is the first ever Magic Wagon. The first one to roll off the line. The one that Lee Iacocca drove. Your smile is just so big right now. <laughs> You're so excited. I've never been this excited about a minivan in my life. I'm feeling a little bit like Lee Iacocca. Like I should wear like a double Windsor tie and a brown suit. It's so open. So like in the olds, you're sitting super low. This one, you're, you feel way higher. You're sitting like a good foot higher and yet the floor seems lower. You know, everything is opened up. There's no center console, it's just this big pass-through. You can like reach back and whack the kids. It's great. Whereas my parents' Oldsmobile had a wide bench seat up front, the Magic Wagon has captain's chairs with armrests. These high chairs, they like really help you see out of the thing. The hood is really short and it sort of falls away from you. You have a great view of the road. It's just open and airy and the visibility is fantastic. Okay, you go around to the side of the vehicle and you've got a sliding door, like a big boy van. The access to the second and third rows is so easy. You can just walk right in. Like if you were a kid, you could just step onto that little ledge there and see yourself to the back seat where you'd sit in, strapped in, um, you know, upright, not crawling around in the back like an animal. 
Um, and so and facing forward. And Go face, figure. Facing forward. Okay, this is really important. That's right. It's a front-facing third row. This is key. In the station wagon, kids sit facing backward, inhaling exhaust fumes through the rear window. What child-hating monster thought the rear-facing third row was a good idea? It seems crazy now, after all we know about crash safety, to put the smallest kids in the most vulnerable position in the car, right in the rear crumple zone, with their feet inches from the bumper. I'm going to try to shrink myself down. But it's pretty easy to get back in here, you know? And then here, in the minivan, they sit in the back row, high off the floor, facing forward, almost like real human beings. In the minivan, the kid is king. Yeah. So when you say kid is king, what do you mean by that? So the kid is in like the kind of command position in the vehicle. He can see out. He can see everything. He's sort of driving the bus. He's, you know, he's sitting in the back of the chariot and uh, whipping the horse in the driver's seat. Yeah, I mean, you are pretty high up here in the back, right? There's like this perched element. You can yeah. see everything. You know, you're, you're sitting so much higher in the third row than you would be in the second row. You're really the king of the castle. King in the castle, king in the castle. I have a chair, I have a chair. Oh, go do this, go do this, king in the castle. The real key innovation is not just the third row, it's the height of the third row. And kids can see out. You know, they can see what's happening. They have a sense of control too. And they're also part of the conversation now where if they were facing backwards, they're totally separate. Yeah, they're not sequestered and cordoned off in the back part of the car. They are part of the family now. I hadn't thought about that until I sat in the back here. And now you're with mom and dad and your sisters or your brothers and everybody is one family unit as opposed to having the kids being kind of, you know, not seen and not heard from. Here, kids like have a voice. You're part of the family, you're part of the team. This is why Jujaro and Spurlick and Iacocca wanted that front-wheel drive layout. With the entire powertrain up front between the wheels, there is no drive shaft running the length of the vehicle, no transmission tunnel taking up room up front. Everything is pushed down. That's how you get a big, airy box on wheels. It's practically a mobile living room. The station wagon was horizontal, whereas the orientation of the minivan is vertical. It is short and upright. It's easy to wheel around. You can see your kids. You can see the road. By some miracle of corporate negligence, Jen and I are given the rare opportunity to take magic wagon number one for a spin. Okay, now we're rolling. Oh, she feels showroom new. <laughs> this is awesome. Really driving a piece of history. Rides great. It's easy to drive. You feel like you could get in and drive it across the country. Now, still, 38 years later. It's relaxing. It's terrific. And um, not about the engine. It's about the interior. It's not about handling. It's about family, cargo space, not cargo space, but just living room. The most precious cargo. The most precious cargo, the family, exactly.
As different as the minivan and the station wagon were, though, both were products of Detroit's so-called malaise era, so they do have some things in common. Both were screwed together with utter apathy. Both shook and rattled. And both were comically underpowered. Your only minivan engine choices were the piece-of-shit corporate four-cylinder or the slightly less dreadful Mitsubishi four-cylinder. Each pumped out about 100 Glue Factory certified horsepower. The minivan and the wagon were similar in that the engines almost didn't matter. But the differences were stark and could be traced back to this. The station wagon is essentially a sedan with its roof extended over where the trunk would be. It's an adaptation of another form. But the minivan was something entirely new, designed and engineered with the modern family in mind, conceived from the inside out. In 1984, the first year of the Chrysler vans, Oldsmobile sold about 34,000 custom cruiser wagons. By 1990, it sold fewer than 4,000. Video killed the radio star. But this didn't happen solely because the minivan had a sliding door and tons of space. The search continues for little Debbie Vincent, missing since yesterday morning. So far, there are no clues to her disappearance. Police speculate that she must have forgotten. We'll look at some of the other, deeper-seated reasons why the minivan canceled the station wagon. And a lot of it had to do with that third row of seats. I'm Eddie Alterman, and this is Car Show. We'll be right back. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The magic wagon was as much born out of the world as into it. It came at a time when, somewhat unthinkably, America started screwing up. Detroit is among the statistical leaders in robbery, assault, and rape. As kids in the late 70s, we were trained to spot kidnappers and were well-versed in stranger danger. I remember seeing the wanted poster in my local post office for the Oakland County child killer. The wanted poster said he drove a gremlin. I could hardly imagine anything scarier. Oh, except this. The Soviets not only continue to build up their offensive nuclear forces at an unprecedented rate, they're also spending almost as much on strategic defense. Our country seemed incapable of addressing not only the real issues, but also the symbolic ones. 
the Space Shuttle Challenger in 1986 revealed to every classroom in America that our institutions were far more fragile than we ever imagined. It's already more than four miles downwind as we get started. Engine throttling up, three engines now at 104%. Challenger, go and throttle up. Challenger, go and throttle up. This shuttle mission will launch, my God. One minute, 15 There's seconds. been an explosion. Velocity 2,900 feet per second, altitude 9 nautical miles, downrange distance 7. When people saw the curtain whisked back on all of America's frailties, the response was to hunker down, especially parents of small children. This was a time of real paranoia, a downsizing of our ambitions, and it seeped into everything. Not only were cars getting smaller as a consequence of the fuel crisis of the early 70s, the psychological space in which they operated was too. In their engineering, cars were turning from wild stallions to petting zoo ponies. The car's social function was changing as well, from entertainment, freedom, and expression to personal and family protection. Car seats, seat belts, and airbags were becoming more commonplace. It all reflected the wider shift in parenting itself. I think the minivan in some ways also projected that, you know, I am committed. <laughs> you know, I'm a committed parent. That's Miriam Arend. She's the former editor-in-chief of Child Magazine and the former director of the Good Housekeeping Institute. Even into the 70s, parenting was something you achieved in between bowling frames and cigarette breaks. But Miriam says by the 80s, kids were becoming the focus. And when baby boomers got into parenting, just like they've done every phase of their life, they got into it with this amazing gusto. So they were all in. The rise of the working mom gave rise to meticulously organized suburban carpool systems. So suddenly, you know, you had to, you had to get on board with the other people, other parents in the neighborhood to tote a lot of kids. Um, and also team sports became a very big thing for kids at younger ages. So you've got, you know, the soccer mom toting the soccer team and all the gear. I think that in some ways the, the minivan, you know, bigger, better, you know, it's a real statement, um, I think reflects almost the image that um, many parents are trying to project, that this was, life became very child-centered. The minivan was parenting's suit of armor, and it only got thicker from there. The key ideas were the addition of the second sliding door, the rollout seats, cup holders, juice cup holders, integrated safety child seats, grocery bag holders in the seat backs. This is well-traveled car executive Chris Theodore. He worked on the first minivan and led the second generation's development. I wanted to understand the thinking behind the second generation of the minivan. One invention I wanted to do, I never got into production, uh, but somebody finally did, um, was a, a little video cam that would be up in the mirror so I could watch what the kids were doing, but would, would flop over to a backup camera. And uh, so we were working on all, all kinds of stuff like that. Chris was on the right track. As we'll see in part two of our family car series, minivans have become mobile surveillance states. But just as important as keeping an eye on the kids is making sure they stay optimally hydrated. Were these the first cup holders or no? They were not the first cup holders. Uh, they were the first in the front, were the first variable cup holders. 
was like a claw. And you, whatever size cup you could put in, you could ratchet down so it would grip the cup. And the first juice box holder? It was the first juice box holder. So we had, I, I can't remember, but the number was like 13 or something like that, cup holders uh, throughout the vehicle. That means that in the high occupancy seven passenger version, with the full complement of five kids in the back, each one could double fist their juice boxes. No wonder parents love them. They weren't just cars, they were child pacifying, anxiety alleviation devices. But parents love them for another reason, and it's a foundational truth of the car business. No one wants to drive the same car their parents did. And here's where the cycle repeats itself. No matter how great the minivan was for baby boomers, Gen Xers like me and my wife wanted something new. We found it in the SUV or sport utility vehicle. I asked my wife Carrie about it. So Carrie, when the kids were little, we had wagons and three-row SUVs, not minivans, when a minivan would have been much more practical. Why didn't you want a minivan? Well, I loved the idea of driving the living room. I also felt like it put the entire identity of parenthood before the identity of self. And as somebody who worked, I felt like when I'd pick people up from the airport or drive them to different events when they'd come into town, I often felt like I'd much rather have a professional looking car than a mom car. When SUVs started infiltrating the car market back in the 90s, it wasn't because they were carefully planned and packaged people movers. It was because they said something powerful about their drivers. That these rugged frontiers people were ready at a moment's notice to drop all their workaday responsibilities, strap a sea kayak to the roof, and set out for Cape Horn. These folk may have worn khakis by day, but underneath all that synthetic fleece lurked the soul of an adventurer. The vehicles even had names like that. Pathfinder, Trailblazer, Explorer. These were the anti-minivans, macho road crushers with big wheels, knobby tires, and pedestrian clobbering brush bars. And then, what do you know? Slowly but surely, as the SUV expanded in popularity, style, and size, it began to morph into a minivan replacement. Three rows of seats. Tons of entertainment options inside. Cup holders galore, but no sliding door stigma. The SUV grew up and in doing so became a minivan in disguise. I guess every generation needs their own king of the carpool lane. If you think about it, we always say that there's nothing better at moving people and stuff than a minivan. That's Dodge CEO Tim Kaniskis. He used to be the head of passenger cars for Chrysler's parent company, Stellantis. Tim's one of the hardest hardcore car enthusiasts in the business, and one of the people who gave the world the original 707 horsepower Dodge Hellcat. None of this diminishes his love for the minivan. The three-row SUV, Tim says, is basically a people mover on stilts, which means that deep down, minivans are still what people want, even if they don't realize it. So do you think that this is where minivans are going? Do you think that they are going to be sort of norm core style statements in a way? Well, I mean, think about when are we going to get to autonomy? I, I don't know. I mean, I don't have a crystal ball, but I mean, look at some of the vehicles that, that 
uh, were shown at CES. CES is the annual consumer electronics show in Las Vegas, where a lot of new concept cars are shown. You know, these are these are not minivans. These are quote autonomous pods or whatever. What did they have? They had sliding doors. They had powered sliding doors because how else are you going to do a door in an autonomous vehicle? Right. Yeah. Who's going to open it? Wait a sec. Are we witnessing a new dawn of the minivan? Will a sliding door, long the Velcro shoe of automotive attributes, become a real and defining asset? Will autonomous family pods of the future, provided they ever get here, look more like minivans and less like three-row SUVs? For an answer, look no further than the autonomous vehicles that Waymo, Google's self-driving sibling, is testing. Because they're computer-driven, these cars need to reassure people that they're safe. Because they are shared, much like an Uber, they need to accommodate everyone. What kind of vehicle fits the bill? Those white Waymo vans with all the sensors and cameras on them are, of course, Chrysler Pacificas. The future of the people mover is still the minivan. All of this technology exists out there for all this high-tech safety. And we said, you know, if there's ever going to be a vehicle where we should make all that standard, it should be, the stake in the ground should be the minivan. I think it does send a message to, to people, oh, minivan, safe vehicle. Okay, so I'm driving the Pacifica now. You can hear how quiet it is inside. All that talk about autonomous pods is largely conceptual. I wanted to drive a new minivan to see how far the species had evolved. Now this is the 2021 Chrysler Pacifica Pinnacle costs around $54,000, and it's got everything on it. Uh, it's got a suede headliner. It's got wireless when Chrysler's Magic Wagon was new, it cost, when we adjust for inflation, around $25,000. This new version is more than twice as much. But that original minivan didn't have any of this. Bifunction LED projector headlamps and, and LED tail lamps. It's got a hands-free power liftgate, hands-free sliding doors, Platinum chrome stow-in-place roof rack, platinum chrome grill surround molding. Irony alert, the new Pacifica is safer than minivans have ever been. It's more luxurious than they've ever been. It's more professional. Comparing the driving experience of this new one to that of the old one is like comparing a Bentley Mulsanne to a rickety old shopping cart. Even the sound of the doors says luxury. And yet, due to the rise of the three-row SUV, their numbers have shrunk dramatically. Carmakers sell only about 300,000 minivans a year, which is bubkiss when you compare it with the number of three-row SUVs they sell. But like the tardigrade, that near-microscopic eight-legged creature that can withstand radiation, boiling liquids, and the vacuum of space, the minivan survives in even the most hostile environments. It keeps evolving, getting safer and more comfortable. It deserves a measure of admiration. It's so uncool that it's actually low-key dad cool. As I sat staring out of my window at the velvet red pearl coat Pacifica parked in my driveway, my eye was lingering on the long spear of chrome down the van's side. I was admiring the way the rear roof pillar jutted backward aggressively, like a hockey stick. I was digging the 20-inch five-spoke wheels and the blacked-out windows. 
I looked down and thought, who could hate on that? The minivan may be cooler now than at any time in its history, but that competition from the SUV segment is indeed formidable. Next week, we're going to see how it stacks up. And we're going to have a little help from a new dad who's in the market for a family mover. Just imagine, Eddie, that if you were, you were my partner and Jacob in the back is my daughter, I can't, no one's going to let me drive like this. <laughs> People will be squealing with like horror and outrage. <laughs> Car Show is written and hosted by me, Eddie Alterman. It's produced by Sam Dingman, Jacob Smith, and Amy Gaines. Our editor is Jen Guerra. Original music and mastering by Ben Tolliday. Our executive producer is Mia Lobel. Our show art was designed by Sean Carney and airbrushed by Greg Lefevre. Our patron saints are Lital Malad and Justine Lang. Special thanks to Emily Rostek and to David Elshoff, Darren Jacobs, and Rick Denno at Stellantis for showing us around the Ur minivan. Car Show is a production of Pushkin Industries. If you love this show and others from Pushkin Industries, consider subscribing to Pushkin Plus. Pushkin Plus is a podcast subscription that offers bonus content and uninterrupted listening for just $4.99 a month. Look for Pushkin Plus on Apple Podcast subscriptions. To find more Pushkin podcasts, listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.